everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Hassan, and I'd like to thank you for joining me for the New Legend series, a dedicated podcast to the great people who have made significant contributions to the cattle industry in North America. Special thanks to our sponsors, Brussels AgriServices Limited and CareSmith Creative. On today's show, I'm pleased to welcome Hereford Power Couple, Kevin and Sheila Jensen. These folks operate Jensen Brothers Herefords and are located in Cortland, Kansas. You cannot think of the Hereford breed on a national stage and not have the name Jensen Brothers come to the forefront right away. Kevin, a native to Kansas, and Sheila, a Canadian girl who hails from Manitoba, met working and showing cattle and have built a solid foundation and grew a wonderful family and a global business with Hereford Genetics. Sit down, get comfortable, and listen in as we hear the story of Kevin and Sheila Jensen. I'd like to welcome our guests, Kevin and Sheila Jensen, to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. This is our Legends series, and we are so pleased to have you, Kevin and Sheila, join the show. Welcome. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to it. Well, I, I know that the Jensen name is, is uh, infamous with the Hereford breed and, and, you know, you folks certainly fit into the legend category. And I felt that, you know, you were the fitting couple to, to interview for this podcast because people come back and say, you know, I knew those folks, but I, I didn't really know their full story. And, and so that's, that's the interesting part about doing a podcast is kind of opens your book a little bit of your life story. And, and that just leads me to my first question. And, and it's so fitting in that, you know, where did your story begin? Um, so Kevin, could we start with you? I'm curious to know where you were born and where you went to school. Well, I, uh, I was born right here, uh, where we live right now, just in the same communities. Um, in fact, we live about two miles from where my father, less than that, a mile and a quarter from where my father was born. So this is home. Uh, it's in north central Kansas. We border Nebraska and we're up on the northern end of Kansas about halfway across. So um, that's home for me. And Sheila actually is from uh, Suris, Manitoba. And, a fellow uh, her, Canadian girl. Yeah, yeah. Straight north of us almost. Great. And am I right to say that you both had a history in the cattle business? You were born into this business? Well, Sheila more than me. Uh, I grew up as a young 4-H'er uh, and, and basically started uh, what I did through 4-H and just a few calves. Sheila's family was in the purebred business uh, with many different breeds up in Canada. So the heritage actually leans towards Sheila's family. Okay. Yes, my so, family, this is Sheila. I was born in Surris, Manitoba to my parents are Bob and Joyce Gordon. And my dad was very um, influenced in the starting of the junior Hereford. We had the her first junior Hereford field day at our farm. And my dad was kind of foresight to see that we start a junior program in Canada. So we had the first field day at our, our farm. 
we uh, grew up, my sisters and cousins and that, showing her furs at the Royal Manitou Winter Fair in Brandon. And we'd show at Agribition. We'd show on the steer show at Agribition. And we showed Herefords growing up. Before we had the Herefords, my dad was involved in the shorthorn business. And we had sold shorthorns all over the United States and Canada and um, had a bull named Leader that kind of changed the breed and size. So they started in the shorthorns. Um, but mainly as a kid, we showed Herefords and steers. We even we went to the Toronto Royal and showed a couple times with the Herefords. My dad showed steers there when he was younger. As a young boy, he rode the train out to the Royal. Um, and actually, my dad as, um, was inducted into the Canadian Agriculture Hall of Fame, and his portrait hangs today on the in the room in on Toronto. the Toronto Royal Fairgrounds. Um, and when we judged there last year, we got to go and see the portrait because it had been 20 some years earlier when he was inducted. Well, that's that's terrific. He certainly was a pioneer and and had a lot of vision as to, you know, the laying the foundation of, of junior programs. And um, that's that's great. That's great. So I'm curious as to how you two met. Well, if you haven't well, guessed it, it was probably Herefords. <laughs> Actually, how we met, I was um, going to North Dakota State University. I went across there and I was on the livestock judges and the meats team. Um, a fellow by the name of Russ Danielson come up and judged a Herford show in Manitoba. He was a professor there. And my dad, we'd had a junior show we'd put on. And my dad had him judge. And he talked us girls into coming down to um, go to college there and learn about ag and judging. And so three, two of my sisters went there and my brother did for a while too. And then he went to Oklahoma state, but um, that's how I come to the States. And a friend of mine, Kevin was showing Herefords at that time. And a friend of mine delivered a bull for him to show Herefords. And they said they were going to um, travel to all the state fairs. And my dad had done that. And I kind of wanted to see what the state fairs were like here. So I called Kevin up and asked him for a job. So that's how we met. Great. Great. And how long did you date or court before you were married? Was well, it a long romance? Well, uh, yeah. Really, at the beginning, it was more of a, she was working for us, or me, and and so that went on for two or three years, I guess, or maybe four before we actually got married. So, you, you, so you had built a friendship, and, a, and you knew you could work together. That's half the yep, battle. Yep, yep. And at that particular time, we were showing uh, lots of cattle, and uh, we had lots of people around here, and it was very active, and we probably traveled many miles as anybody did at that time we'd go uh, the furthest trip we ever took was uh, from Kansas to Dallas to the Texas State Fair and from there to the Cow Palace in San Francisco and then back to Cortland and regrouped and went into the American Royal at Kansas City and then went on to Louisville and that was all in all in about of a month's period of time and we were probably only home two or three days in that time period Wow. That particular time we were, we were on the road showing cattle. Right. Now, Kevin, was that the time that you ran the fitting service as well? Or did that come later? I, uh, Jim no. had shared, shared with me that you, you ran the blue ribbon fitting service 
And so I was just curious whether that started at that time or did that come along later? No, that was actually then. It was actually called Jensen Fitting Service. A really, really good friend of ours was Blue Ribbon. Okay. Uh, and, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, that's really how I got started uh, after I got out of junior college was we friends here in the neighborhood in the North Central Kansas that had pretty good cattle had let, it, let me show some of them and we took them to some of the shows and got started. And so by the early 80s, um, I was doing it as a sideline and actually that's how that's the reason we got started in the business and got some land purchased was because of. Okay. Okay. So you, you courted and you married and, and then along, along came some family. Can you tell us a little bit about your family information, uh, the members of your family and, and the career choices of your children? Well, uh, we were married in 91 and uh, our oldest, Brady, was born uh, in 92. And he, uh, he's married to, uh, his wife is Alex. have two little girls, Kelly and Kirby. And uh, Brady was uh, a grad student at Kansas State and got his master's after he was uh, judging and then went on and got his master's and helped at K-State on the judging team. And then he went to South Dakota State and just came home last winter. He and his wife are building a home and they're going to live about a mile and a half from where we live. And he works for ST Genetics now and uh, raise their family here and become part of the operation. And, and uh, so we're just tickled really, really highly about that. Then we have our middle child is Brooke and she's married to Kaylin Cromwell. And they too are just now building a home about 30 miles from us. Uh, Brooke works for Cargill uh, in the meat animal protein business. Uh, Cargill is, uh, I'm sure you have them in Canada as well, but they're a big family owned corporation and, and she has a very good job with them and can work out of her house. So she can live home here at home too. And her husband, Kalen, uh, is an area wide man for Beck's Seed. And, uh, and also going to uh, join his family's operation at home where they live just a few miles from us. So we're very fortunate to have the two oldest close to home. And they have a little boy named Keaton. And he'll be two here just about the first of the year uh, and getting ready to have another one uh, in April. And then our youngest son, Ben, is a K-State graduate and also a judging team member. All three were on the judging team. And he is working at Kansas State and uh, has worked there now for a few months. He had a short time period where he worked for a ag journal, or I guess you'd call it an it's ag broadcasting broad. channel uh, on the radio. Uh, well, that, that's terrific. Three very accomplished children and so great that they're moving close enough that you get to see those grandchildren grow up because uh, the years go by so quickly. Definitely. Yes, they do. All of the kids were, all of the kids were active in 4-H. They were active in FFA, which is the Future Farmers of America um, organization that goes through our school program when you're in high school. They were all very involved in that and held many offices in each deal. Um, he was actually chairman of the National Junior Hereford Association, and Brooke was also on the board and was That's national true. queen. That's true at one time and she was vice chairman. Ben was active in 
the junior Herford program as well. They showed it every junior national possible their years. We missed one when the kids were little, but we went to all the junior nationals. Ben was successful in showman. He'd made the top 10 four years in a row. So they all enjoyed showing cattle and the junior programs, and they received some very nice scholarships from the Hereford Association. So it was a, it was a good choice for them. Well, that's terrific. They, they gained some, but they certainly gave back too, sitting in the executive positions and those, those, you know, showing as a family, there's so much to gain from that. And uh, you have those memories of all the achievements and the accolades and it's, it's just wonderful that you could do it as a family. Well, yeah. And and actually the junior Hereford association has a foundation uh, and many people are doing it. um, But the last three or four years or five, I guess that we've had a female sale in the fall, we actually donate 1% back to the Hereford youth foundation. And there's many people doing it and probably even more, more so than we are, but youth foundation has grown vastly in the last 10 years. And it actually helps pay for a lot of the junior national. And it also helps with many scholarships to a lot of Hereford youth. And so a lot of us are giving back through that and it's become a fantastic program. Hmm. That's terrific. Very generous of you to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the farm. Um, how many cattle uh, are, are on your farm there in Cortland, Kansas? Well, right now we probably have really close to eight maybe 850 head total. Now that's cows and calves. We don't have that many cows, um, but right now that's probably about where, where we are. Okay. And how many acres uh, are there? Well, the farm consists of about 500 owned acres. And then we, we have to lease a, a quite a lot. It's a couple thousand acres of leased pasture ground and it's spread out. The thing about where we live, we're kind of in a farming community and uh, there is not a lot of big pastures, so we have to drive a few miles to get a lot of the cows to grass. Right, right. Okay. Do you have any other breeds of cattle in your operation other than Hereford? Some Angus. Uh, actually, as we speak, we're starting a, a small herd of Angus cows, and uh, we've had a few before, uh, but just the Angus business. Okay. Well, diversification is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> and what about um, breeding your own cows, AI versus natural service? Is, do, you, do you do both or do you focus on one area? Would you rather AI? What, what's your breeding program like? Well, we, we use quite a few of our own bulls. We do use some outside bulls and for various reasons. We have a bull sale every spring, the first Thursday in March, and we'll have 100 Hereford bulls each spring. We'll sell about 70 in the sale and we'll sell about 30 privately. And probably half of those bulls are ETs, embryo transplant calves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them will be the mating or uh, from the same matings as some of the females that we've sold uh, in, the, in our elite female sale that's in October each year. We do quite a lot of ET work and it's nearly all IVF. Okay. Uh, through transplant our local our local fellow that's done our embryo work for years, he and his uh, crew have started doing the IVF, but the uh, ovocytes go to do transova to be implanted or impregnated. 
but we do quite a bit of that. And we have some people that actually raise some of the ET calves for us, put them in surrogate mothers and raise the calves. And then we buy those calves back from those producers. And, and then we have, uh, we probably have close to, and if not some for a hundred ET calves a year. And, and uh, we'll probably raise about half of those and outside folks will raise about the other half. Wow. That's, that's interesting for sure. Um, so you have, um, so yeah, so there's, there's bull sales. You have an elite female sale. This is this past October. How, 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 you know, you're both, you both are so composed and professionals in the business. Does having sales bother you or is it just part of the game and it's something that, um, you know, you love to do? Well, well, maybe you should be here the weeks or two when the catalog's getting made. Uh, we also we have a bull sale every spring at the first Thursday of March. Um, so when we picture and video and do the catalog, it's usually when we're busy with our Denver, Oklahoma City, or whatever shows in the winter. But um, we have the bull sale then. That's when picture and video when we come home. Um, then Kevin starts delivering the bulls. Right after that sale, the first Thursday. I think we do Thursday too. First Thursday in April, we have a fallborn heifer calf online sale was long along with frozen genetics. We'll sell embryos and semen. And so as soon as we're done the bull sale, we start halter breaking and clipping. Then we video picture those heifers and have an online sale to get ready for the May deadline for the junior nationals. A lot of born calves are showed in the United States. Right. And then we kind of uh, we get busy with our breeding for then. And in about in August, we start selecting our calves for the October sale. And in September, right after we get done with the state fair, I work with the 4-H program at the state fair. I'm the chairman of our next year's the 25th anniversary of our Grand Drive Steer and Heifer Show 4-H. So um, be a little busy with that. And then we take pictures and videos and for a fall sale we sell about 50 head we have 30 show heifer calves and then we'll sell some bred heifers and some cows and we'll also sell embryos and semen in that sale and we'll take those those calves will all be show washed and showed quite a bit and we'll have a judging workout we do a lot of judging workouts here and right before we go to the sale we'll catch the judging between the contest in Kansas and Absarban in Nebraska. So on that Saturday, we could have three to 500 kids from colleges as far as we've had them from for Georgia to Virginia to California. California to Montana, Nebraska, Texas, North Dakota. We've even at North Dakota's been here. Just all the teams will stop by 4-H, junior college and senior college, and they'll work out on all the heifer calves because they're and bred heifers they're all clipped and washed and kind of cleaned up so we make a seven or eight classes and they judge them then we'll take those though that we have our sale by kansas city during the national hereford meetings so we'll get um, a good crowd to come to that and that's a live sale we'll actually run the heifers through the ring and we'll have them on display there that week and day and um, sometimes we have a December sale, um, embryo sale, if we have time. But that's kind of our, it doesn't slow down. It goes from one sale to the next at times. 
Yeah, that's incredible. Now, now, how many people would be on your team in order to to deliver that? You know, get cattle broke and clipped and, well, and prepped and. That's uh, it's you're looking and talking to two of them, and of course we're getting a little bit on the older side. And now that the kids are home, they can maybe help a. Her herdsman is Alan Sandberg, and he's been with us for a number of years. And his his family is boys are just entering 4-H. So they're just, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And and uh, he's been with us for probably close to 15 years. And so he and then we'll usually have uh, one part-time fellow that helps us a little bit in the fall. And that's it. Okay. So, you know, there's, uh, and, and we don't probably show near as much as we used to. Uh, we're just too preoccupied with, with, doing our thing with the sale cattle and the show cattle and then just maintaining the herd. And it really restricts, uh, it just really doesn't leave us any time to do a lot of showing like um, we used to do. It's become uh, uh, probably as less an important thing for us as it used to be. Well, the kids are done their The kids are done their junior careers. So we used to go to all the for 23 consecutive years, we went to the junior nationals and shows. So now we're kind of taking a break before the grandkids, but we do, when we get ready for pictures or sales or some of our, like when we go to Denver to the shows, we'll get some local college kids from K-State or Oklahoma, or the junior colleges and people that our kids have known on the judging team or friends, and they'll come up and spend a Friday or Saturday, Sunday, whatever they can. And um, we usually utilize a lot of college kids for a couple of days when we're getting ready for the sale. Well, and Wendy, you may know one young man that came and helped us before Denver last year. He was the happiest boy on earth to get the phone call from you folks. He, uh, he was just so excited and, and so thankful for the opportunity. Brady had a terrific time with you folks. He learned so, so much, not only on, on, you know, cattle management, but he watched both of you, you know, how you communicate with people and, and market your cattle. And it was a terrific, a terrific opportunity. So we thank you so much for allowing him to be a part of your team at Denver last year. Well, you need to be very proud of it. both your young men. They're very good young folks and, and uh, you can tell they've been raised excellent. Uh, and well, that's what we do at Denver time. Denver's really the, the, really the main stock show that we go to to market livestock by exhibiting and it works really good because of its timing. So we can utilize those kids in college or, uh, you know, they, they don't, they're not in school that time period between Christmas and New Year's and right there before they start back their winter semester. And so it's for 25, probably 35 years, we've used lots of college kids to help us and a lot of really talented young folks. I think you've opened the door for a lot of young people too. And, and we certainly thank you for, for doing that. Um, you know, your, your mentors in the biz, business and that's why, you know, you're part of this legend series is you've, you've worked hard to earn a, a reputable name for yourself and your farm and, and, uh, and your great people too, along the way. So that it, it, you're the whole package. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. We enjoy so the kids. It, well, it, it, that's obvious for sure. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about brood cows. And, and uh, you know, I think we all get attached to some of these cow families that we work with. And, and you know, do you have a family or two that, that really sticks out in your mind that has done a lot for Jensen Brothers um, that you'd like to talk about? Well, in the early years, 
when uh, when the herd was relatively small and and we really didn't do a lot of ET, we had a cow called Twenty Four Ten, and her influence is still is still seen in a lot of pedigrees, and she was a basically a Victor Domino, and uh, as a cow calf pair from some folks named Serene in Central Kansas. And it was kind of one of those lucky stories. So I really liked the pair and these folks were just dispersing at the time. And lo and behold, the cow, the calf on the cow ends up being a, a big part of our program, very maternal. And, and she uh, wasn't a big cow, but if you bred her to the big bulls that we were using back in the nineties, we got calves out of her that were like calf champion at Kansas city. And, and um, she's been very valuable to us, and, and she was so maternal. The other main cow that really probably is still in more pedigrees today is a cow named 2054. And she was an Explosion King 10 cow, a horn cow that we bought a group of cows from the Messersmith Ranch up in Alliance, Nebraska, when they were going out of business. And if you look at our pedigree now and go back, you'll see her name in just almost ever pedigree and every calf we sell. So she's probably has more influence than any other cow family. And, and it was a wonderful cow, just a wonderful cow. Hmm. Yeah. Those, those great, uh, those great brood cows can certainly put their stamp on a breeding program if it all clicks. And some of them, it doesn't matter what you breed them to, they still click. So, so that's great. Um, with regards to, you know, working your, your show cattle and, and sale cattle, do you have a, a daily routine that, you know, you're kind of loyal and faithful to that you could share with our listeners just to get, you know, that good hair coat and, and, and get them quiet enough that you can show them or sell them or whatever your potential, you know, customers are after? Well, basically, just good care. And the best management is keep your eyes when you're feeding them and tending them to them and make sure they're fed properly and at close to the same time every day. And, you know, that probably just good balanced feed ration that work out with your nutritionist. And, you know, there's lots of fluff you can add, but really there's nothing that beats feeding them correctly and feeding them what they need and feeding them right and watching how they how they use and how they eat and, and knowing by their stool and how they look, if it's doing the right things. And obviously if they're getting fed, right, that hair coat's going to come right along with it. Yeah. My dad always taught us, my dad was an excellent feeder. That was one of his big things. And he always told me that if you didn't think it was look good enough for you to eat or you could eat it, the cows wouldn't eat it either. And he said, if I sat a plate full of potatoes in front of you every day, that was heaping full, you wouldn't eat it every day. You don't want to overfeed every day and then they stop eating. You want to keep them constant um, at a, a ration that they eat twice a day, every day, and not a big gouging at one time. He was always telling us that. He was a great, excellent feeder. Sounds like pretty good advice for sure. Now, I know that you had shared with us, you know, that your children growing up had done a lot of shows and been to, you know, a lot of the major, major shows. So this might be a pretty hard question to answer, but could you, could you tell us what the biggest win to date would be for Jensen Brothers? Well, we talked about that a, a bit just uh, 
a little bit ago. And, and honestly, uh, we, we've hate to brag, but we've had a few pretty nice wins and probably, you know, as the kids were growing up, uh, each one of them uh, had some success at the junior national a few times and probably been the biggest show. Ben, uh, our youngest, he was just finished here a couple of years ago. Uh, he had reserve grand champion bread known at the junior national. And then uh, she'd won her division or reserve then in the open show or the, just a day later. And, and uh, that was probably his biggest win at a junior national Brooke, uh, showed uh, in 17 which would have been her last year she probably had the she probably is the one that had the biggest day at a junior national i don't know if you realize it but our junior national have 1500 head of heifers in it well i was i was going uh, to make mention of that they're they are a big big event yeah and it's a wonderful show uh it and angus are are just mind-boggling how big they are and uh but anyway her uh she had a heifer we call Coco that uh, was reserve grand in the uh, uh, owned show and then was reserved in the bread and owned show as a fall heifer calf. Hmm. So that's pretty tough to do. And, and Ben's heifer that he won with was also a fall heifer calf. So those heifer calves were 10 months old when we were showing them at junior national against big heifers. And so they were pretty fortunate to do that. And then that same year, Brooke won showmanship. So, that was a big year for our family. And then uh, Brady had, uh, and, and she won showmanship. And Brady won showmanship when it was his last year. And he had a heifer that uh, would be the mother of Coco. Uh, that's kind of laid the foundation for a lot of the show heifers that we sell now. And her name was 339A. And she'd have been calf champion in Denver in the open show as a heifer calf. And then at the Junior National, a heifer that, that she would have beat at Denver, beat her in division at the Junior National. Uh, but that was pretty exciting. And, and uh, so I'd say most of our big wins since family has been with the kids. We had a heifer that uh, we sold in our female sale in 2011 that was grand champion female in Denver in the open show and grand champion at Agribition. Uh, and I'm not sure, but I'd say that's probably, there's not been many females that have won both Canadian and American nationals. So that would have been a big win, but probably the, uh, and we had sold her to the Kyle Perez in New Mexico. Probably our biggest win would still be when we were showing uh, for other people. And we showed a bull that was twice national champion back in the late eighties. And his name was race. And he really uh, <clears throat> is the reason that a lot of things have happened around here. Impressive results and, and wonderful memories made over the years. And, you know, when you work so darn hard at this thing, you need to have some success along the way. And uh, it, it makes the effort all the more sweet when it, uh, when it all works out. So congratulations to you all. Those are wonderful accolades. Well, thank you. You know, and, you know, and that if you're going to show and you're going to be very competitive, you're going to win some, you know, it's uh, it's impossible to win all the time. And sometimes when you get beat, that might be the best thing that you need humbled every now and then. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, when we talk about um, mentors, we all have them. And, and I'm curious how or who you would categorize as, as people who've mentored you throughout the years. Sheila, how about we start with you with that question? 
Well, I would have to say it's my dad, Bob Gordon. Yes. He he taught taught us everything we know about uh, me and my sisters, everything we know about cattle and the love for agriculture, and also the the willing and dedication volunteer to help the junior. I was at a meeting last night where we were training the extension people what they need to teach the people in the areas. Um, we give a lot back to the youth, like with the judging programs, 4-H. And my dad was very intimate about, you know, supporting the youth because he um, had a couple gentlemen that seen him when he was showing steers and was last in class and they knew he was keen and wanted to do it. So they helped him um, get better steers, pick out better steers so he could go to the Royal and do, um, do better than last place. So my dad would be my biggest mentor. That's terrific. And Kevin, what about you? Well, there's a number of people because I, I, I didn't have the opportunity like Sheila did to be, uh, grow up in the purebred business and she left out part of the fact that their family was also part of bar five and during the civil invasion and keening and maine and june all that and their family grew up through that as well but uh, i was just a 4-h member here from a farm you know just my parents were both uh, grew up on farms and were the babies of large families and so uh, i had to start with just a 4-h heifer back in the uh, late 60s and early 70s and so there's a lot of people that that helped me along the way uh, probably Jim and Sue Rowland from GNR Pold Herefords were probably the most influential in in teaching me husbandry and taking good care of, of cattle and taking good care of your grass and maintaining the farm uh, probably a lot could be said for them and Sue is still very active even up until this last year she was uh, uh, Kansas Junior Hereford advisor and uh, 80 plus years old and still doing that uh, uh, wonderful people and they would have raised some bulls that won nationally and we got lucky enough to be able to show some of them for them uh, and then uh, probably Walter and Joe Lewis uh, they owned what was called alfalfa lawn farms which was in business for about a hundred years, maybe more, but at least a hundred. And there would be a lot of people in North America and all over the world that was connected to those folks through their uh, really, really well acclaimed herd of Pold Herefords. And they would have judged all over the world. And uh, so as a kid growing up, you kind of idolized them as when you came to a big show, they were the ones that had everything so neat and proper and and uh, stress doing it with integrity and and uh, you know I guess I can remember if one thing I remember Joe Lewis telling me was uh, integrity and uh, do it right or don't do it and one uh, many Canadians will talk about him even yet to this day and he's uh, been gone almost 40 years hmm. sounds like you know all those mentors made made a huge impact and you know, we, we all have a mentor and, and sometimes we forget that there's other people watching that, that you're somebody else's mentor. So um, those are, are all, all great, uh, great stories for sure. Can you tell me the best advice that you, that's been given to you by anyone so far in, in your lifetime? That, that's a tough question, but I, I, I'm curious to know the answer. 
Do you remember some advice that someone gave you that you basically still use to this day? Well, I can remember riding around in the pastures uh, when Sheila's folks were, Sheila's dad, after he retired from the farm, selected bulls for Western breeders. And so they were all over North America looking at cow herds and, and they'd come through here where we live. We're almost in the middle of the United States. So they could come through here quite often in their travels. And that's one of the reasons why we have so many of the teams come by is just for our location. And, uh, but he would come and look at the cows, he and Joyce, and we'd ride through the pastures and, you know, he, he could figure out your best cows in a glance. And I don't know if he actually said it, but you kind of up with him, you know, if you're, you're going to stay in the cow business and you're going to keep these cows, there's quite a few of these that need to leave and you need to make them better. <laughs> so I, I'll never forget that. What about you, Sheila? Do you have, do you have a, a thought that comes to mind with that question? Well, probably just work, work ethic. I think um, just thinking that you need, to, you have to work for what you get. You've always, I was always taught growing up, you know, you had to do your own work and you work hard and, and um, treat people fair, but always, you know, do your own work and work hard and make sure that you, um, you know, do it every day and be proud of what you do. Sound advice for sure. Now, I don't know whether you've got a lot of time to have any, you know, make any changes to your operation, but do you have any future goals for, for your operation? Do you want to leave, you know, increased cow numbers or decreases your land base? What's your, you know, what, what's fitting within your goals? Any, any thoughts for future goals or change to, to your operation where it is today? Well, the biggest thing is with the kids moving closer to home, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a, a big relief for us that, that the herd will continue on. And, um, you know, we're both getting to the age where we could retire now if we so choose or chose, but uh, that's not in the cards. But our roles are going to be, I can already feel it, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're changing in the guard. And so it's, it's wonderful that the kids are interested enough to want to come home and be part of it and well and actually probably just take it over you know because we can help and we can advise and we can you know share some of our wisdom but the work's going depending on those folks in just just a few years so that's the biggest thing we're going to have someone to to let to take over yeah well succession is great and and, and it's wonderful that you have the next generation that, that want to be a part of it because you've worked your whole life to build it. And sometimes you hear the heartbreaking stories that, you know, mom and dad have built it, but nobody really is interested enough to come home. And uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, you don't, you don't have that bridge to cross. And uh, I just want to thank you both for, for being part of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm humbled that I, I could, uh, you know, borrow you for, for a little bit of time to, to have this interview Um Again, I, I just, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate who you are as people. And uh, I know that our listeners are going to love this episode uh, because we've just dug a little deeper into the lives of, of Kevin and Sheila Jensen. So thanks so much for being part of the show. Well, we really appreciate it. And thank you. Yes, thank you for your time. And we're honored to be asked. 
Well, what an interesting story that Jensen shared with us. Hard work, dedication, excellent management skills, and a good eye have propelled them to be the leaders in the cattle industry throughout North America. Their genuine appreciation for young people, being supportive of junior kids in programs, and giving back to the juniors has not gone unnoticed. They are extremely talented marketers and know how to build relationships with people that last a lifetime. I'd like to mention that after our recording was finished, Kevin thought of one more, more mentor, and his name was Glenn Klippenstein, a partner of Glenn Kirk Farms in Missouri. Glenn elected to let the Jensens keep the bull race that he mentioned in the podcast, and he was in their showstring, and Glenn could have easily took that bull calf back after he had done some winning, but that friendship and mentorship has meant a lot to the Jensens and has lasted decades. Thanks to our sponsor, Brussels Agri-Services Limited, their farm store is located in Brussels, Ontario. They specialize in feed, fence, and farm supplies. They operate their sister business, Cowboy Loft, a Western tack and clothing store. They are proud to be suppliers of a great line of show supplies. They carry both a great selection of Weaver and Sullivan show supplies. They can be found online at brusselsagra.com or cowboyloft.com. CareSmith Creative is an extremely talented graphic designer who can assist you with all of your design ideas for logos, ads, and social media creations. Visit his website at caresmithcreations.com. I'd like to thank my listeners for tuning into this episode in Season 2 of the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. Until next time, I'll say goodbye, take care, and we'll talk again soon. <music>